0: The Bane Free Radio Hour.
1: Welcome, everyone, to another episode. I am your host, Jeremy Como. That's enough for me. Uh, we are here to uh, celebrate a, a book release uh, for the lovely and talented Marisa Wolf. And f- uh, full disclosure, I can say that because she is my wife, oh, yeah. and uh, some people would say uh, interviewing your wife is a bad idea. And I say, let's see, maybe. Yeah. So um, yeah, full disclosure. So I know I know the answer to many of these questions, and so but I'm going to pretend I don't. Oh, I see. <laughs> I'm going to be a fan, and I am a fan. Okay.
2: Well, uh, he has to say that, guys. It's in the paperwork. It's yes.
1: Nice. Yeah. Yes. She has papers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, welcome, uh, Marisa, uh, to the show. And congratulations on your latest book release, uh, Beyond Enemies. There it is. Thank you. Now, you are a newcomer uh, to Bane with your first solo novel. hmm Congratulations.
2: Thank you very much. Um,
1: but you are not new to writing. Um So what what else have you uh, have you written uh, for Bane in, you know, um, in any of the universe's anthologies, anything like that?
2: Yeah. For Bane, I have been in uh, two anthologies, uh, three anthologies and will be a couple more over the next year or so. So my very first one was a short story in Freehold Resistance, uh, Michael Z. Williamson's amazing Freehold universe. And then my second was Chicks and Tank Tops, which, you know, that short story wouldn't leave me alone and eventually became this chonker, uh, which is great. And then most recently I had a noir story in the third of Larry Correa and um, Casey Azell's Down These Mean Streets, third uh, noir anthology.
1: Awesome. So now you uh, you write uh, fantasy and science fiction. Me too. Do. Uh, do you have a preference?
2: No, I love them both. Okay. Um, like I am, I am a big old nerd, um, perhaps evidenced by my surroundings. Um, and uh, my dad raised me as a nerd. So I, I joke that I'm a second gen nerd, but it's true. Uh, and I love both a lot. A lot. I would say most of my stories to date have been sci-fi. Um, so you'd ask like what other universes and stuff. So for um, other publishing companies like Chris Kennedy Publishing, CKP, I've written in the Four Horsemen universe and the Salvage Tale universe and the Fallen World universe and they're all pretty sci-fi. Um, but I do have a few fantasy shorts out there and we'll be working on a fantasy novel later this year.
1: I was about to ask you, can we expect uh, some fantasy from you in the future? So,
2: I certainly hope so. Well, we'll see what happens as the book is written and uh, judged by publishers and editors in the future.
1: Awesome. So uh, let's talk about uh, Beyond Enemies. Uh-huh. Now you mentioned your, uh, your anthology. Do people have to read uh, the anthology to uh, be caught up to read this book?
2: Really good question, no. Uh, You certainly can, uh, and it will give you a little bit of a hint on what's going on at the beginning, but you do not have to. Um, So the events from that short story are somewhat referenced in the book, um, but in a way that you would not have to have read the short story to understand what's going on. Uh, There is also a free short story on Bain.com called Next Right Action. Uh, It's totally free, so you can go read it. You also don't have to read that to read the book, um, but it gives you a an entirely different perspective, I hope, um, on the events of that short story in Chicks and Tank Tops.
1: Awesome.
2: Um, you should totally read Chicks and Tank Tops because it's really good.
1: Wasn't there, uh, I don't know if you can say or not, was there a different name for that uh, anthology?
2: There was, I don't know if I can say, I've said it before and haven't been yelled at. So um, yeah. <laughs> when Jason Cordova first reached out about it, um, he was like, hey, I'm putting together this anthology, it's about tanks and their girls or girls and their tanks. I was like, "Oh man, that sounds amazing," and he's like, "Yeah, and you know, would you like to do a short story?" And I was like, "Oh my god, I would, but I'm so busy." Um, and he's like, "Well, it's called Tanks for the Memories," and I was like, "I am in, sir. There is no world in which I am not working on that." Uh, and so it became Chicks and Tank Tops, which is fantastic and also a really great title. It's somewhere behind me, but um, if you have not seen the cover, please go look it up because it is a chick wearing a tank top sitting in a tank top. And I just love that very much. Um, it's a great cover. It's a super great anthology. I'm really, really proud to be a part of it. Um, and in my head, it's still a little bit tanks for the memories, but because it is chicks and tank tops, it's actually a kind of honoring and continuation of Esther Freeman, uh, Friedman's, um, chicks in chainmail anthologies that I loved coming up. So check all those out too.
1: So speaking about the book, uh, uh, where, so I, I get the, you know, the call to arms for a, uh, for an anthology, they, they send mm-hmm. out, you know, the criteria and everything, mm-hmm. but where, Where'd you come up with the idea or how'd you come up with the idea? Did the voices talk to you? What, you know?
0: I, <laughs> the
2: voices I, do talk to me. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeremy knows this, unfortunately. Sorry. Hashtag poor Jeremy. I feel like
1: um, that's all authors, though. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. It's not just me, which maybe <laughs> makes you feel better. I don't know. Um, it helps. A little, little, yeah. It's just like, it's not like my own brand of crazy.
1: Yeah. Um, oh, so, man, I mean, it is, but... <laughs>
2: It is, but it's a shared. Media. It's a shared. Yeah, it's fine. Um, so it cracks me up that we were doing this in the same house, y'all. So I hope you are enjoying watching me attempt to talk quietly enough that you cannot hear me on Jeremy's microphone. It's not working, but um, okay. So I started writing the story and from the very first scene I wrote, I knew exactly who Talon and B were. And they never shut up again. So they were very clear voices throughout that short story. And then I finished the short story. I turned it in. Jason was incredibly kind. He sent some really insightful, good feedback, as amazing editors do. Um, And, you know, I I had more thoughts about them. And I kept thinking about them um, until it became a 100,000-plus word story. Because they are so clear in my brain. I know they're, they're snarky banter. Um, like, if you don't like dialogue, this is not the book for you, um, but I am highly entertained by their snarky banter because I think I'm hilarious, and they for sure think they're hilarious. Um, so I think I answered your question. I got distracted by how funny they are in my head. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, that's no, the voices in the head explain it. Um, yeah, okay. So um, the the elevator pitch mm-hmm. uh, for the book, um, How would how would you describe the novel?
2: Yeah. So a girl in her tank which is actually a girl and her AI, who happens to be a tank sometimes, uh, are fighting a war. And the war that they thought they were fighting isn't at all the war that they're in. And they need to decide what they want to do about that once they find out. Um, So do we uphold the status quo? It's not that bad status quo. It's fine. Or do we risk burning down everything we've ever known? I would like to reiterate that they are a tank. So fire, no fire. What are you going to do?
1: And sometimes you do need to burn the world down. Now, admittedly, admittedly, I am only uh, I have not (laughs) I'm not finished reading the book, uh, but I have started it. And so far, so good. I'm enjoying it. So um, let's uh, before we get into the guts of the book, Mm -hmm. uh, well, not too much. Can't give it away. Spoilers. Yeah. Um, The uh, do you want to talk about the dedication?
2: Oh, sure. Yeah. It's a two-parter. So the dedication, um, a lot of things were were going on uh, writing this book. So I knew the the first, the second part of the dedication, which is to all the librarians and booksellers who make sure little nerds get to read all the best books and grow up to be big nerds. Um, Because I spent a lot of time in libraries and bookstores growing up. um, And thank goodness for that, because it's, why I am as sane as I am, <laughs> um, and then the other part is for all those who've gone on ahead. Wish you were here, um, and that is because there was a flurry of incredible people um, in my life who passed on through the course of writing this book, um, and that always sucks. So, and um, and also there
1: was uh, we just a. a what were we doing as you were writing uh, this book? Um, uh,
2: <laughs> we were living full-time in an RV um, and we were camp hosting, uh, which is when you work at a campground to therefore stay at the campground for free, um, which when you're living full-time in an RV really makes the dollars go a lot further. Um, and we <laughs> we um, were at two campgrounds of the course of writing this book um, and so at the end of the acknowledgements, I, I don't actually know if you know this yet, Jeremy, um, if you've read those parts. But Not in yet. the in the acknowledgements, I, I basically talk about how I became like a complete hermit. And Jeremy had to like hold down all of our social uh, obligations and ensure that people knew I wasn't dead and that he hadn't murdered me and like hid my body in the woods somewhere. Um, because I just basically like camped on the couch and wrote this book. Um and uh, I'm really excited about that, but also that meant Jeremy, the introvert in our relationship, had to go be social <laughs> and out in the world um, with the awesome people that we were campground hosting with, because I was like, I would love to do that, but I can't. Okay, bye. <laughs> the end.
1: Yeah, we were carnies at, uh, at two points during that. Uh, no longer carnies, we're actually contributing members to society now, so, well, somewhat.
2: It's fun being uh, a carny. I like it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, but uh, no, that was fun. Uh, in fact, uh, we're we're gonna go visit some of those people and maybe sign their books and and do all that good stuff. so yeah. um, let's see now, uh, we talked about the dedication, and you did your elevator pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about your characters, okay, And I say characters, they're kind of one, but you know, yeah. but not really, so yeah. tell them what I'm talking about.
2: yeah so team breezy y'all um that is talon riaz who is a genetically engineered soldier um, who has been designed specifically to host part of an ai program in her brain Um, in this universe they realize it's really hard to teach an artificial intelligence you can kill these people totally good we love that not these ones though so the solution for that was to host them in a human brain Um, So Talon and B have been paired since Talon was a growing embryo and B was just a little fragment of a program. Um, And they were um, decanted together, basically trained together and then deployed together. Um, So they are in the eyes of their military overbody. They are one entity. They are breezy. They are the... um, the combined might of an AI and a human brain in order to have increased, I think I called it threat assessment, threat addressment. I was very proud of that. Um, And just the ability to parse a situation and react to a situation faster than a normal human brain can. And with slightly more, um, I won't say morality, mission critical (laughs) reactions than an AI alone might have. Um, They are to themselves, two parts of a whole. Um, So they do not consider themselves one entity, but they also do not consider themselves divisible, we'll say. Um, And so at this point in the book, they have been in action for quite some time. Um, And then for no reason whatsoever, they were moved from an active front to a very disregarded corner of the war where really nothing is happening. Um, And they don't know why that is, but they have lots of theories um, and a lot of sass about it, and um, some of their their friends from training also end up at this dusty little corner of nowhere, um, and uh, then shenanigans ensue.
1: Very good, very good. No, um, now one one thing that I've heard uh, people talk and about, and uh, that I have uh, noticed myself is that you're pretty good at character development. <laughs> And uh and and it already in the little bit that I've read uh already, it's already shown because I love um uh the back and forth between uh the AI and uh and the operator. Mm-hmm. Um to where they just they just give each other shit uh m- most of the time. And uh, you know, one's a little bit more elegant about it than the other, but it's
2: <laughs> a fun word, yeah. Yeah. Um
1: but yeah, as, and uh it's And I guess it's, it speaks to me because that's how, you know, uh, you know, if you ever played sports or just hanging around with a a bunch of guys or gals and where they really know each other and, and they just uh, give each other hell and it's, it's always a good show, you know, where, uh, uh just a flashback uh, of me one uh, one time uh, my twin brother and I who mm. spent all of our time together we're we're in a car and we're just going at each other and there's some guys in the uh, back seat cackling and said I would watch this on TV that's the kind of stuff that i I enjoy watching you know
2: yeah
1: um, and you know with podcasts with uh, with books mm-hmm. so I and mean, I'm saying all this is because that's what um I so far what I've read here is that mm-hmm. You've got that, that um, you can tell they've been together for a long time.
3: Nice.
1: Thank you. you know? And uh, so, uh, like I said, and, and earlier, what did you say if, uh, if you don't like what, you're not going to like this book?
2: Banter and dialogue.
1: Dialogue. Okay. Yeah. Well, and and, uh, and character development, but who, who doesn't
2: like
1: Who doesn't like character? character development? Yeah. 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 You got to care about the characters. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, we, we've we've talked about uh, the book is there anything like what would you tell the people I mean, you've already given the elevator pitch but what would you uh, in, entice people to, to to sell the book to, to get them to go read it
2: besides the pitch um, yeah I would say it starts off military sci-fi and then quickly becomes conspiracies all the way down so they like I said, the war they think they're fighting isn't the war they're fighting. So what Mm -hmm. are they going to do about it? And what they're going to do about it is like opening nesting conspiracy boxes and figuring out what it actually is. And Mm -hmm. so you can, I think somewhere that is my phone ringing. I am very sorry. It will stop eventually. Um, But (laughs) hopefully you can't hear it. Um, But uh, yeah, so if you are in favor of unboxing conspiracies and figuring out what's in the box, if you are in favor of snarky banter and some character development, um, and you are in favor of a book that sometimes things explode, um, sometimes the universe, the universe does not explode, um, then you will probably enjoy this, so.
1: Sounds great. Now, I've already been asked uh, by someone who's, who's bought the book uh, mm-hmm. that I know, um, can you desc- describe, since you say they are a tank, can yeah. you describe the tank and and you know like uh, how big is it you know uh, things like that and because that's one of the questions that I got yeah. asked was how 11. how big is this thing I can't really tell
2: yeah so there there is a moment where Talon kind of like traces the confines of the tank um, mm. it's it's not big it's a single operator tank um, because she is the only human once once B is loaded into the tank and becomes the tank not a single other human should ever be inside it except for Talon, unless something has gone horribly, horribly wrong and we're talking about some kind of recovery mission. Um, so it, it's not big, there's a chair, there is a kind of a cot um, that pulls out and does all the necessary things like food providing and um and, and using the restroom. It's all, you know, all the cool stuff that we don't really go into, but it, it's there. Um, all of it is really set up for um, B to be able to redirect resources to repair the tank as needed and to turn things into artillery as needed. Um, So the, the, the vast majority of it. And I feel like this is like actually a beautiful representation of it. So it is not huge, um, but what it exists to do is cause destruction. Um, So everything extra in it is to communicate with sensors, to read what's going on, to track the enemy and to destroy the enemy as quickly and efficiently as possible. Um, So there are turrets, there are treads that are self repairing. um, And there's a ton of like raw material that they use to, Again, feed into the artillery or feed into the reparate. Oh, no. Repairs. Not reparations. Different story. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It, yeah. We're not going to go down that road.
2: Yeah. Was, yeah.
1: <laughs> not, not your story. No. Uh, so where can people find the book?
2: Uh, Anywhere. Anywhere. Find books are sold. Um, It has been popping up at Barnes and Nobles all over the country. Um, And if it is not at one near you, you should go to them and ask if they can get it because they can. Um, Or any independent bookstore that you want or that place on the internet that sells books. um, The Wonder Woman place. Uh, But anywhere anywhere books are sold, you can get your own copy of this gorgeous cover and then Talon and B's story that is chunked inside.
1: When, and I'm going to I'm going to tell on you a, a little bit because uh, Marisa has also donated uh some copies.
2: I did. To and, libraries. Yeah. I love libraries. Yeah. So um
1: now um let's see. Now you're you're new to Bane. Well,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Well, newish.
2: I mean, i have been stuck in them for a while. Yeah. yeah this
1: is your this is your first yes. uh solo novel. Yes. Uh but you're not new to writing. Correct. You've been writing for uh, a long time, um, and you've already mentioned some of your uh, previous work uh, mm-hmm. with uh, different publishers. Yeah. Um, when, when did you know uh, that you wanted to be a writer, and, and how did you get started?
2: So, I knew I wanted to be a writer when I was six, and I wrote my first genre story. It was about giant mutant potatoes obviously, girl likes her carbs. Um, and so I do, I do. Um, I actually don't know if I have it here. I took a picture of it when my parents were like, your stuff is still here. You're in your 40s. Let's fix this. And so, like I went through stuff and like took pictures of some things, um, including the tale of Sarah and the Idaho potatoes. Um, in my defense, I had been reading things like Clifford, the big red dog, and mm-hmm. James and the giant peach. And you know, all of these like, Things are giant and things shenanigans ensue, um, and so potatoes, obviously. So Sarah and her dog um, have to solve the mystery of the giant potatoes, and it got laminated. So I'm, I am, I am sure that's that how you I'm, know it's good. It's so good. I am sure <laughs> that my father was just humoring me, but he laminated that thing and we hole punched it and put like little those little like folding Brad things in there. Mm been chasing that high ever since so that was, <laughs> chasing, that was the dragon. chasing the dragon i was like yes this i want this i want to make books and i want to tell stories um and so I, I always knew i wanted to do that and then when i was preteen, um i don't want to do the actual math and know exactly when but it was when uh aol discs were flying around the country and and people got dial up um i discovered the pern forums on aol.com pern there you go. Yep. And uh, I was obsessed with the Pern books and I had no idea fan fiction was a thing, but I had been writing fan fiction on my own, uh, hundreds of pages, hundreds. Um, I still have that and that's embarrassing and hopefully no, one, no one's eyes but mine will ever see them again. But uh, I found that and I did that for like 20 years. So um, lots of fan fiction, uh, all Pern, it was pretty great. And uh, through the course of that, I met so many awesome people, uh, including Casey Azell, who folks who watch the Bane Free Radio Hour will absolutely be familiar with. She is amazing. You should read everything she's ever written that she will let you. Um, And uh, she decided that she was going to get published. And so she put her mind to it. And as she does, she did it because she puts her mind to things and she gets it done. Um, And so she wrote this amazing short story called The Gilded Cage, for Chris Kennedy publishing for Chris Kennedy and Mark Wandry's for Horseman Universe, um, which is a great mill sci-fi universe. And they loved it so much. They were like, Hey, do you want to write a novel? Like based on this short story. And she was like, I do, but I'm busy. So what if I bring in this friend of mine to co-write? And they're like, I mean, I guess, okay. Um, and so then in the meantime, to me, she sent the short story and just like, hey, what do you think? And I was like, Oh my gosh, I love it. And this is so great and this specific thing and I loved this and it was all amazing, all of which is true. And she was like, Cool, 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 cool. Because she knew it was cool. Um, and she knew it was good. And she said, So do you want to write a novel about it with me? And I threw up in my mouth and said yes, and then panicked for like six months. Um, but so yeah, that's how I got into the world of publishing. Um, because I am part of House Casey and um I I am here because she gave me the opportunity. And then I worked my ass off to not embarrass her and uh, continue to get more opportunities. So,
1: yes, we call it the Casey effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty great. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, and it's happened many, many times to many people. So, so much so uh, we did a podcast on it about <laughs> uh, all the people that Casey has uh, drug into writing, kicking and screaming, including Marisa.
2: I did not kick or scream.
1: Uh you struggled a little bit uh, I may have
2: curled into a little fetal ball at one point but that's totally different
1: yeah and uh so yeah it's uh we we did a whole like a two-part podcast of all these people that uh yeah. she drug into to writing and now they're all published authors and and all that so uh you know Casey is a force to be reckoned with so and and she's an awesome writer so she's go check amazing. it out yeah. yeah uh so earlier you heard me make a noise I sneezed I did something uh, with my face and uh when she started talking about porn no pern porn
2: i did yeah as to say i did not it's not that kind of channel
1: no it's not that kind of channel no uh so uh one time and this is uh my part of the interview mm-hmm. One. uh so while uh casey and marisa were uh writing pern fan fiction mm-hmm. um they, uh i think from what i remember and you can revise the story as you wish is, yeah, sure. It is uh, we all have our own truths. <laughs> uh, was that they were writing, and I think they were writing an aerial love scene with with the dragons. This is how I remember it.
2: Yeah.
1: Or or how they procreate, or something like that. It wasn't too great. It wasn't gr- mating
2: flight. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes,
1: it was a mating flight. Something uh-huh. like
2: that. Uh-huh.
1: And um, and unbeknownst uh, with uh, Casey's spouse uh we both said independently of one another oh you're writing pern porn again mm-hmm. and so now anytime she talks about her mm-hmm. her origins of writing including yeah. uh pern i have i have an involuntary reaction to go pern porn. and yeah. so it's
2: totally involuntary yeah. yeah
1: and so you uh, if, if i have anything to do with a podcast and she mm-hmm. mentions uh, mm-hmm. uh pern i mm-hmm. usually i usually have like i said the involuntary uh reaction. Mm
2: -hmm. He does things with his face. Yeah. So there were, there were uh, three people involved because it was also our friend, uh, Mary. I forget what name she's using in her book. So I cannot finish that sentence, but she is amazing. uh, Also as well. So the three of us, and it was the three of our, at the time, fiance's maybe, I don't think any of us were married yet. So you were all like significant others. Um, But it was like three, three different States, three different time zones. Um, and the three of us are there like chatting in a little Google chat and planning our things and doing the little mating flight, uh, plotting things. And seriously, three men who did not know each other at all at that point in time, just immediately were like, oh, you're writing your porn porn again. What, why, why are you like this? All of you. And then we married those men, all of us individually with our respective dude. Um, but yeah, we locked that down. So yeah, yeah, every single time he does that.
1: Um, I'm going to pause. I'm going to pause. Okay. And so, uh, moving on the, uh, (laughs) um, so you, I've noticed that you do a good job of, um, of marketing, um, as far as like, you know, putting your, you're on, uh, panels, a ton of panels at conventions, you're on a ton of uh podcasts uh reoccurring on on a lot of them
2: yeah
1: uh and not ones that your husband is hosting you know <laughs> i have uh,
2: also been on those
1: weirdo you've also been on those but that's not your that's not your majority yes you know um so um as as a, a form of advice for for people out there because because you're a good writer but in this world it's not enough people have to see yeah. you they yeah. have to know you they have to uh, be aware of of your writing and of you so um how have you uh if you could give advice uh to someone who's a new author or you know not not necessarily a new author but hasn't gotten a lot of traction uh marketing wise what are some of your uh kind of uh rules or things that you do to help promote yourself
2: yeah that is a that is a really good question um i i feel like i've just I've genuinely been super lucky to have a lot of the opportunities that I've had. Um, and then you know, you have to like show up, right? It's not just enough for somebody to be like, here's an opportunity. Um, what has worked for me is I like I said, I'm I'm an I'm a nerd. And so I love talking about nerdy things. Um, I went to Dragon Con for years before I was ever on a panel or was an attending pro. And even now, like I I love going to be on panels. I love being on panels. I go to Dragon Con because I love Dragon Con. It is like I'm surrounded by 80,000 people who are nerds like me and I love it so much. Um, the energy there is amazing and that is true at all cons, whether they're 200 people or 85,000 people. Um, just getting a chance to go and talk nerd things is like my favorite. Um, so the other thing that you might catch on when you see me on podcasts is sometimes I don't remember I should stop talking. Um, because I get so excited and so passionate about a thing. Um, and I feel like a lot of you, my fellow nerds, are probably similar in that you're like, well, somebody somebody wants me to talk about this thing. I'm going to word vomit at you for the next 25 to 80 minutes. And <laughs> thank you for letting me talk about this thing. Um, so I think it is like practice what it is you want to say before you go on things. Like people are going to ask you questions. You're going to have to come up with answers for different things. But really think about – in the same way you're thinking about your elevator pitch for your book or you're thinking about – um, your author brand or or whatever it might be, like really think about what are the kinds of things I want to say and make sure I say them so when I'm taken off guard or I'm surprised or I don't know what to say or I'm afraid I've talked too long, say that thing and get out. <laughs> Do that. Um, and have fun, like try to be in places where you're genuinely enjoying yourself because when you're genuinely enjoying yourself, the people around you tend to also be enjoying themselves and then they remember you as part of that. Um, and they either invite you back or they want to talk to you more um, or something else. Uh, I think those would be my big my big pieces. Like have an idea of what it is you want to say and how you want to say it. Practice it. There's nothing wrong with practicing. I mean, probably most people out here who are writers um, or are thinking about it, you you know your first draft isn't perfect. I know some of you are amazing geniuses and that's great. But like my first draft has never been good. So <laughs> practice the way you you verbally present yourself in the same way you practice your writing words. I keep joking. I think I stole this from the internet, but like my finger words and my mouth words are not the same. They don't come from the same brain. It feels like, so you have to practice them differently and that's okay. Um, And then do your best to enjoy yourself or be with people who will help you enjoy yourself and relax so that you can be that best version of yourself. And that will make people want to spend more time with you. I don't know how helpful that is, but have a good time with it and practice.
1: And what's rule number one?
2: don't be a dick. I mean, genuinely, like so, so many of the opportunities that I've had have been because I genuinely enjoy talking to somebody and they remembered that. And when something came up, they reached out to me. Um, or I was invited to do a story by a deadline and I did it (laughs) by the deadline. So be professional, be gracious, be, be authentically you. But if you, like at your core, you're a dick. That's probably not true. But like, if at your core you're a dick, be real charming about it, <laughs> and then just like, don't be a jerk to people. Um, that is, yeah, that's a great reminder. That's always rule number one.
1: Well, and and that's one thing I've noticed. And uh, and not everybody is as entertaining as a, a Marisa Wolf on a podcast, you know. Because uh, and but that's the what like. She had,
2: that. it's fine. Don't worry about well, it.
1: Well, she has reoccur. She's you know she has. Uh, reoccurring appearances on many, on many podcasts and things like that, because people enjoy, uh, you know, working with her and, and she's entertaining on a podcast and stuff like that. So I would add, add that to it. Now, not everybody is as
3: tea,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> as, as, uh, a Marisa Wolf, you know, mm. uh, uh, but you know, just being, you know, being pleasant, being, you know, going there with the idea of having a good time mm-hmm. is always a good recommendation. Mm-hmm. Cause, cause at the end of the day, if nothing else comes from it, you had a good time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know? Right.
1: So uh, that's my, and as a podcast host, you know, I love chatty authors cause then I don't have to talk as much. <laughs> right. And so it's, and and it's always, so when someone is easy, easy to talk to, easy to work with, mm-hmm. uh, you're more likely going to get asked back or yeah. uh, you're easy to work with somebody. Uh, even if you're a good writer, and but nobody likes to work with you that's going to hurt your chances you know yeah so so just just be nice (laughs) um let's see um podcasts so uh where now speaking of let's let's uh pivot off of that where uh because you are a delight and yes Eh,
2: sometimes yeah i
1: I am paid to say that (laughs) um Because you are a delight and everything, you have gotten um, opportunities and and things, not just, you know, appearances on podcasts and stuff like that uh, and conventions and and all that. Um, But you have gotten projects from it Mm -hmm. just by uh, and another thing that we're, you know, we're not really touching on is just putting yourself out there. You're 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 good at that where (laughs) You know, it's like you volunteer for things, mm-hmm. you know, be helpful. Yeah. You know, be helpful. People will remember that. Okay. Don't be up somebody's uh, butt about it. Oh, yeah. But, but be, and, uh, and don't be, yeah, don't be pushy.
2: Yeah. There's a line, right? It, yeah. it can be, can be tricksy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, because uh, what, what do publishers love, uh, uh, Marisa? Pushy people. <laughs>
2: Oh yeah,
1: no, I don't I don't think they did. No, um, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, they don't. Yeah. Um so speaking speaking of because mm-hmm. because you're you're good at um mm-hmm. you know putting yourself out there and uh-huh. and and that's that's a hard thing for a lot of authors because a lot of authors aren't extroverts, they're introverts and, yeah, and putting yeah. themselves out there is tough. Yeah. And so um, but if you uh, if you embrace your fear and put yourself out there, tell them what kind of uh, projects you could potentially get. What what has happened for you recently? That uh, oh,
2: Jesus. Uh, okay. Well, so wait. First, first, if you are an introvert and you're like, I have, I have no idea. I have no idea. Find your trusted person um, and go go with a bud, like go with a friend, and don't don't like don't go to a con like, I need to talk to this many people or else this is a failure. Go to a con to have a good time. Go with your trusted friend. Go Maybe maybe your designated extrovert, um, whoever it might be, but somebody that you feel more confident because you're there with them and you have somebody to talk to. Um, And if you can't do that, start like haunting the comment sections of different um, (laughs) cons and see if there's anybody in there who you're like, this person's funny. Maybe I can meet up with them and like have just like a low-key coffee or something at the con. So there's somebody I'm looking forward to meeting. Um, Casey was my internet friend ever before she was ever my real-life friend. Um, so try to meet up with your internet friends who aren't serial killers um, at cons where possible. Uh, but like, find somebody who will help you feel comfortable so that you can go and do the things and not feel like, oh, I can't do them because I'm an introvert. Untrue. Go with somebody so you are you are happy. And then that happiness will spill to others. Okay. So that's not what you asked me, but I think it's important because I do hear that from people like, well, I'm an introvert. I can't do this. Yeah. You, yes, you can. I have total faith in you.
1: Well, and, and to add on to that, uh, the community, um, yeah, that you have built because of that. I mean, how many times are you on phone calls with fellow writers? Uh, and, not, and not necessarily working on a project with them, working yeah. on your own projects and, yeah. and things like that. And it's it's extremely helpful. Yeah,
2: so. I have been again, like I can't I can't stress enough. Um, so we we say this a lot, like you hear a lot. Writing is a very lonely profession. And I have been so fortunate that it has not been for me, although it does currently look like I'm being like interrogated in a dark room. Um, the sun went down and so the lighting is crazy in here. You um, agree. Thank you so much (laughs) i'll stop looking at like the gleaming of my forehead um again he's paid to say this but thank you i appreciate it um yes so the community of writers um is is so incredible like casey obviously who's so amazing just she's an amazing person and an amazing writer and it's just amazing to really brainstorm with her sometimes and co-write with her sometimes um melissa oltoff um nick steverson is my annoying little brother, but is incredibly talented. Like this group of people through CKP and Bain that I have gotten to work with is just like Heather Hollow. Like c- these people are amazing and you think, oh, they can't possibly be as amazing in real life as they are on the internets, but they're even better. It's insane. Um, so like start start to build your core where you can when you go to cons, like people who love the same things you love or slightly different things, but are equally excited to hear, to hear about the things you're excited about as you are to um, hear about theirs. Um, but that, again, was not the question that you asked. So yay, community. Yay, the people. Yeah. Yeah, it's yay. Not
1: a, yeah, it's not a zero-sum game. You can work with other people.
2: Yeah, it you genuinely can. And it will lead to great things. Like this dude, William Allen Webb, who's also such a great author, um, he started this urban fantasy universe called Hit World. And then one day, just for no reason, um, he co- genuinely, I have no idea why to this day, but I'm so grateful, he called and he was like, hey, do you want to like do a... Spin-off of Hit World, that's like focused on women. And I was like, I am a woman. I like writing about women. I like reading about women. Yes. So um, we came up with the Valkyries, which so excited. It launches this year um, through Hit World Press. So it's not Bane, but like, so it's urban fantasy. This is the book. It comes out like Teresa. little arc. I love it. Um, so the spider that comes out in March of this year, Just is crazy. Um, I also, of interest maybe to uh, Bain, Bain listeners. Um, we'll have some projects coming up with the phenomenal David Weber. He has talked about them on his Facebook page, so you can go check him out if you want. Um, but uh, I I will get to write with David Weber, who I've been a fan of since I was 17 reading Honor Harrington. Um, and it is insane to me, and I'm still a little bit like, what, what, is that real? Is that, that's real. That, that okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so just these, these projects um, and these these opportunities to work with incredibly talented people um, just blows my whole mind. So, so those are my projects for this year. The fantasy novel I'm working on, urban fantasy with Valkyries, um, getting to work with David Weber. Uh, I think I have like five more things, but they're all very. Exciting. I get to work with Casey Azell again later this year. So just so much good stuff happening.
1: So like we said uh, earlier. Uh oh, first of all, congratulations. That's a big deal. So good job. Um, and uh, uh, we spoke earlier that while you're relatively new to Bang, you've been uh, writing for a while now you've been you've co-authored a lot of books. Uh, yeah, oh, seven. and seven books. So um, can which you know, like anthologies are a great way to get into writing, uh, which is kind of how you started. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also started out with uh, with co-writing. Can you mm-hmm. talk about, you know, the pros and cons or uh, what you uh, what you like about uh, co-writing versus solo writing and
2: all? That yes. to- I love co-authoring. Um, again, you will hear me say, I have been so lucky with the quality of people I get to work with. And their talent. Like, they're both amazing people and they're so freaking talented. And they learn something from each person I write with. So, and each time. So, Casey and I wrote three books. Um, we wrote a trilogy about aliens who look like cats and are assassins. Hashtag catsassins. Um, So, we we did those three together. Um, and I feel like I leveled up every time just getting to, like, write with her and, and see how she would do things. Uh, Casey is a master of punching you in the gut and stabbing you in the heart. Not literally, don't worry, Agent Johnson, but like figuratively, she she'll get you. Um and so every every time I like get to like watch that happen, I'm like, oh dang, what can I steal? I mean use, I mean adapt and learn. Um, and what can I what can I do myself? Um I I love that. Uh <laughs> one of one of the cons of co-authoring um is you get really excited. I get really excited to brainstorm with my co-author and uh, for Casey and I, with Assassin, we got super excited and plotted um, Assassin, and we're super pumped about it. Started working on it, realized neither of us wrote it down. We did that two more times. <laughs> so um, a con is getting so caught up in the ideation with your co-author that you forget to write things down, and you should not do that. You should write things down or record them or something smart. Um, but the pro is you get to level up, you get to watch somebody awesome at work. Also, when you get to a part where you are stuck. Um, So, like in this beautiful book, I got to a part where I kind of wandered away from my outline, and I couldn't figure out how to fix it. And so I just kept throwing more words at it. Turns out that's not the answer. That never happens to me with a co-author because I can call them and be like, "What am I doing right here? Like this is stupid, and I hate everything, and I don't know how words work." And and then we'll like talk for five seconds. And I'm like, "Great, no, I got it. Okay, bye." And then I'll go. Or um, like with Chris Kennedy, um I wrote two books with him in like six weeks. Um, and I would write until I was either kind of stuck or I ran out of energy or whatever, and I would tag him in. Um, and he would take it over that that tricky line and, and he would write until he was done and he would send it back. Um, Mark Wandry, we wrote night song together. That is also how we work together. It was just kind of like, okay, I wrote to here and now I don't actually know what to do. Tag. Um, and that's amazing. Like you stay on track, you get it done. Um, sometimes characters will do things that you didn't expect, but it always is is in a way that the story is really fun. Um, I don't know. My, my three points are this, enjoy, (laughs) learn, and stay focused and get that, that ish done. So,
1: so, uh, that's, that's one thing I noticed when you were, uh, is the friendly competition in, in co-authoring, uh, kind of, kind of talk about that a little bit.
2: So that that was chris <laughs> so um chris kennedy uh who has written with david Weber, has written with jay and channy has written his own amazing stuff with mark laundry like all the things he's so great um he is also a former naval aviator and uh elementary school principal so he knows from like motivating people right and so chris would all casually be like oh yeah i wrote three thousand words today and i'd be like oh word all right and then i'd be like well i wrote 3,700. And he'd be like, well, I wrote 4,500. And I'd be like, Shh, Okay. Well, I wrote 5,200. You're like, mm, I got 53. And, like, we just – we would do that. I mean, it didn't, like, go. I think 55 was, like, the, the top 5,500. Um, so it wasn't, like – I wrote 11,000 words yesterday. But it was, like – it was a constant, like, amazing kind of, like, all right, here's my level. Get to my level. Um, and it was so much fun. And hence we, we genuinely wrote two books in six weeks. Um, we were only supposed to write one book in like a couple of months and nope. Uh, and it was so, so great. And the thing that was also so great about it to your point, it's friendly, right? So there would be days that I was like, man, I, I couldn't like, I did 2000 words and it was, it was a struggle. Like, I don't even know if they're good. Um, and he'd be like, "Girl, get it again tomorrow. It'll be fine. I I got you for now." And like he would, you know, knock out 3500 words cuz he's a machine. Um but so it was like there was no judgment if you couldn't quite get there, but it was real fun to like throw down the word count every day and we wrote just about every day. Like it was probably the most consistent writing I've done in my entire life. Um meanwhile, meanwhile, poor Casey, um the way I wrote all three of those books with her um, because we split up our characters. And so like we knew our, our storyline and and we we did that. Casey would get, Casey is very disciplined also. So she would like do words, do words, do words, day, 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 day. And she'd be like, how's it going? I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah, I haven't started. Uh, thinking about it, but I haven't started. She'd be like, cool, cool, cool. Another week, day, day, day. She's writing, she's writing. She's like, okay, about 20,000 words. I'm like, oh my God, that's so awesome. You're really rocking it. She's like, you? I'm like, thought about a chapter today. And uh, then she'd be, Pretty much done. Usually she'd get to like the 80% mark. And I'd be like, oh shit. And I'd write all my words in six weeks. <laughs> so it was very different experience. Um, I I think I was pretty regular. Mark Wandry was pretty regular and I was pretty regular in that. Um Bill Webb and I, it was almost the opposite. Bill was the Marisa in our situation. So I was like, I did more words. Here's another chapter. Here's more. And Bill's like, cool, cool, cool. I wrote three other books, but yep, I'll get there. Um, and then and then he'd be like, okay, boom, here's like eight chapters that I just wrote. Like, so um, wildly different from time to time, but always with like that, that sense of like, I trust my co-author to get it done and maybe we'll race a little bit and that'll be fun.
1: So at the end of the day, your advice is be a team player. Fr-
2: be a team player. <laughs> a team player. Play, yeah. play
1: well with others. Don't bite. Don't bite. And uh, the buddy system works.
2: Buddy system's awesome. I will say, though, so for co-authors, because I've talked to some people who hate it. I love it. But also look at the people I've gotten to write with, right? Like, of course, I love it. Um, find somebody that you have something in common with. Like, it doesn't have to be your style. It doesn't have to be um, your your ability, like your your timing of writing. Um, But something you have to be aligned in what the story is meant to do um, and how you want to get there. Because Bill Webb and I, I think, have very different styles. But I think The Spider came out really well because of that. Casey and I, I don't think, have very different styles. I think we have very similar styles um, and different ways of executing it. Um, And I think that really showed to strength. Um, Chris Kennedy and I have different things that we're really good at and like you can put that together. But if we didn't have the same value for what the story was going to be, it would just be a mess. Um, Or if we had different ideas of where the story was going to go, it would be a mess. So it's got to be somebody you can talk honestly with. It's got to be somebody that you are aligned with, at least on this story. Um, And I, I'm just going to say that again. It has to be somebody you can talk honestly with um, because I would say to Casey like why I hadn't started or where I was or what was happening um, or like Chris and I would talk about a part in the story and at one point I was like, oh, could we do this thing? And I was all excited about it and he's like, no. And I was like, oh, oh why? And he explained exactly why and I was like, oh, shoot. Yeah, no, you're totally right. <laughs> but like if I hadn't said that or if he hadn't been willing to explain, that could have gone sour really fast, right? But, like, so talk about those things. Find somebody you can talk about it with. And they don't have to be, like, the same, like, writing level as you. Because, again, you're going to – they can be. You'll learn from them either way. But you can be mentoring somebody. You can have somebody who's ahead of you on the path. Like, it can work as long as you can communicate, honestly.
1: So with all that, uh, so it, it sounds like you really, really enjoy uh, co-authoring. So how did you – how did did you get past your roadblocks uh, with your first solo album? Not having, (sighs) you know, that ready. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Such a husband question. Um, So, I mean, I really wanted to write my own thing. Right. Um, People, including Chris Kennedy had been um, pushing me for a while to be like, you're ready. Just write your own thing. I'm like, it's not that I'm not ready. I'm just not ready. Um, So it, I think it was one, Talon and B's voices were so clear in my head. Like there was, I had to write more about them. And then I had the opportunity to do so. And that was amazing. Um, I also just like forced myself to do it. Like in terms of like how to get over the roadblock. Turns out not wanting to let Tony Weisskopf down is a great way to do that. So didn't want to let her down. Um, So (laughs) it was was pretty helpful. Um, So definitely recommend that. Um, But it, it was just, like, setting myself really realistic goals. So it wasn't like, I'm going to write 5,000 words a day. Um, it was like, okay, I'm going to do this many words or I'm going to get this scene done or I'm going to do this thing each day. And then, like I said, the middle really got away from me on the first draft, um, like, a lot. And, like, to the point when I sent it in and Tony sent it back, she's like – and I had already edited it down. But she was like, yes, we love Talon and B. <laughs> this, this middle. And I was like, yep, got it. Um and so, one, I had that community. Melissa Oltoff was one of my alpha readers, um, as was Casey, um, my sister. And so, like, I sent it to other people so I could still get other thoughts. Um, and then, Jeremy, this is why I'm saying this is such a husband question because he had to listen to me, like, existentially flail um, month in and month out. Um, but I would go to him and I'd be like, okay, so say this is a situation and, like, these things are happening and there's this thing over here and there's this other thing. And the, how would you do this thing? And then he would listen to me talk at him. Kind of like this, but for longer. And then at the end, I'd be like, "Okay, I figured it out. Never mind." And he'd be like, "Well, I have a thought." And I was like, "I don't want it." And I would just leave. I didn't want. I didn't actually want your thought. I just wanted to yell words at you and decide what I needed to do.
1: Yeah. Just remember, husbands, it's not your job to fix everything. Just listen.
2: Just listen. Yeah. He got really good at that. And then every now and then, though, there—I cannot remember the the exact example. So you probably should have written it down. Um, but there was something that I was super stuck on. And I was like, could it be this or could it be this thing? And Jeremy was like, what if it's this third thing? And I was like, oh my God, it's this third thing. And I just, again, I don't even think I said thank you. So thank you. Um, But whatever it was, I was like, that's the thing. I needed that. And I just left. I just left. Um, And I, me and my computer. Um, So you still, I still have to use other people's brains sometimes to just, even if it's just, because again, I'm an extrovert. So like, sometimes I don't know what I think until I hear it out loud. And I'm like, well, that's not it. That's dumb. Um, So yeah, community yelling at my poor husband um, and just kind of powering through and not letting down Tony. Those were the key factors of my success.
1: All right. So you heard it here uh, be friendly, be nice, don't be a dick. And uh, it's, a good it's a good, it's rule number one. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's remind people why we're here. Um,
3: oh,
1: yep. We are here to uh, to let everybody know beyond enemies is in stores now wherever you buy your books go get a copy it's available in ebook and I do believe there might be an uh audiobook coming out yes yeah,
2: coming in March you guys so right. excited
1: I'm excited about that because I'm an audiophile. I like listening to audiobooks yeah uh, I'm a, unlike my wife who can read faster than anybody I know I'm I'm such a slow reader that I, uh, it's faster for me to listen to it on audio. So yeah. that's my thing. Um, so, uh, and then you have your, your other book coming out in, yeah, uh, soon, March, yeah. uh, Hit the Real spider, Rest,
2: the spider, urban fantasy.
1: Yep. Check that out. Yep. Um, and, and in the near future, uh, we will be seeing you with, uh, your name beside, uh, uh Bill Webb.
2: Will Bill okay. Webb. Yep.
1: Yep. yep and um and the and you're going to be a part of the universe. Yep. Congratulations. Thank
2: you. <laughs> Thanks. Yep. Exciting.
1: Um so where can people find you out in the wild?
2: Okay. So this year I'm doing like all the cons. Um so this year in March you can find me at mid-south Con um which is in Mississippi like just over the line from Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, in April, you can find me at Fantasai in Durham, North Carolina. Um, that is going to be, I think, of special appeal to Bane folks. Um, the 1632 universe is going to be a huge, huge focus um, at Fantasai. So that'll be awesome. In June, I will be at Liberty Con, which is one of my favorite places in the whole world. Um, in, uh, oh yeah, at the end of the summer, I'll be at Dragon Con another of my favorite places. I love all of these cons. I'm so excited. Um, and then in October, breaking news, I will be at Deep South Con in Helen, Georgia. Um, that'll be my first time going there, but I've heard amazing things. So so you can find me there. And if cons are not in your future this year, or those cons aren't, although they should be because they're amazing, um, you can find me on the internets at marisawolf.net or .com because I have both. Um, and you can sign up for my newsletter in which you will get shenanigans delivered to your inbox once a month. Um usually they are in GIF form. Again, not gift, but GIF like moving pictures. Um, but you do get four free short stories for joining my mailing list. So you know, gifts and gifts. Um, and also if you like books and you like dogs, you can follow me on Instagram at
1: bookdogs. And she will be doing more with her YouTube channel totally Uh, just just search marisa wolf author and you can find her there um uh, we'll be putting some more stuff up there so uh congratulations on your first solo novel uh i'm sure it's wonderful i will finish reading it
2: you will i appreciate it
1: that's (laughs) good but no congratulations very proud of you um and uh some good lessons today be friendly
2: yeah (laughs) don't be a dick y'all we can we can do this
1: um and uh, with that, thank you, Marisa. Um, you see, we, we got through the interview, uh, and you can interview your uh, your spouse, so. Uh, <laughs>
2: she might talk at you a lot, but you can totally do it.
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, thank you very much. Uh, this has been great. Everybody go out, uh, buy the book, look for her future books. Oh, last, uh, can is there anything else that uh, can we expect more from um, this book? or? Oh.
2: Um, what a lovely question. Uh, yes. So no, maybe, I don't know. Uh, the answer is this is a full and complete story in and of itself. I have an idea of what a second book would be like. I don't think it's a huge series. I think it's two. Um, but you know, if you want more of B and Talon's adventures, tell all your friends to buy the book. Um, and if it sells really well, maybe they'll let me write another one.
1: All right. Well, uh, again, congratulations, and to everyone, thank y'all for uh, tuning in, and we will see you guys next time. Bye!
3: And now we bring you our audiobook serialization of Tinker by Wynne Spencer. Inventor girl genius Tinker lives in a near-future Pittsburgh, which now exists mostly in the land of the elves. She runs her salvage business, pays her taxes, and tries to keep the local ambient level of magic down with gadgets of her own design. When a pack of wargs chase an elven noble into her scrapyard, life as she knows it takes a serious detour. Tinker finds herself taking on the Elven Court, the NSA, the Elven Interdimensional Agency, technology smugglers, and a college-minded xenobiologist as she tries to stay focused on what's really important. Her first date. Armed with an intelligence the size of a planet, steel-toed boots and a junkyard dog attitude, Tinker is ready to kick butt to get her first kiss.
0: Oil Can had lucked into a place on Mount Washington, a sprawling three-bedroom condo in a high-rise apartment building, on the sole condition that he keep the elevator, air conditioning, and heat working. His balcony looked out over downtown Pittsburgh and the endless canopy of Elfin Forest. Pony worked to make himself invisible to them, keeping still and quiet. As Oil Can went to check on his rarely used guest beds, Tinker strolled out onto the balcony and looked down at the city. Why had Windwolf changed her? Was it a gift for saving his life? A life for life? Or was it more, as the sex implied, did he love her? And what exactly did she feel about his gift? It was too frighteningly huge to handle. She was an elf? You okay? Oilcan patted out onto the balcony with her. I'm fine, just a little rattled. What about you? You mean, how am I with this? Oilcan flicked his hand up and down to indicate her new body. I'm cool. So you've got dorky ears. He leaned out and fingered one tip and it felt embarrassingly good. Hey, don't mess with the ears. Oil can jerked his hand back and looked hurt. Sorry. It's just, they're erogenous zones. Oh, oh. Exactly. Are we still cousins? At least in the genetic sense. Would it matter if I'm not? No, but it would be comforting if you were. Oilcan can took her hand. After my mother died, grandpa said something to me. He said that as long as I and my children after me lived, my mother would be alive, living on through her bloodline. It's how humans reach immortality. It's why he made sure you were born, even after your father had died so long ago. They lapsed into silence. Lane could check and see, Tinker whispered. We could go see her tomorrow. But what if she says we're not? She wondered how much it meant to him. If it meant a lot... She wouldn't give up oil can for Windwolf. She'd find some way of getting back to her real self. Whatever Lane finds, you'll always be my best friend and little sister. Little sister? Based on love, not blood, oil can said. Nobody can touch that if we don't let them. She hugged him hard and wondered if he wasn't the smarter of the two of them. They made an odd threesome on Lane's porch, Oil can with his blatant humanity, pony unmistakably elfin, and Tinker caught somewhere between the two. Lane answered the door, went pale at the sight of Tinker, and murmured, oh dear, oh dear. It's really not that bad. Tinker tried for a brave front, and then failed. Is it? Lane gazed at her for another minute before saying, no, love, no, it's fine, come in. I'd ask what in the world happened, but it's obvious that Windwolf happened. Pony, this is Lane, Tinker introduced the warrior. Lane, this is Galloping Storm Horse on Wind, but he goes by Pony. He's one of Windwolf's bodyguards, but he's been told to guard over me. He doesn't speak English. The two bowed to each other. Lane led the trio back to her sprawling kitchen. Pony ranged through it and the connecting rooms, looking for danger. Where's his master? Lane asked quietly in English, avoiding Winwolf's name. Tinker followed suit as she explained about the queen's summons as Lane put the tea kettle on. Can and I want you to test us to see how much he changed me. Are we still cousins? Of course you are, Lane cried, then saw the looks on their faces. There's a good chance he'll only be disappointed. He's obviously done something quite radical. But I'm still me. I feel the same. I think the same way. I have all my memories. Tinker had woken in a blind panic the night before, searched through old memories, factored out several large numbers, and considered a fix to one of her newer inventions before satisfying herself at that level. The only thing different seems to be my sense of taste. Beer tastes awful, and I couldn't stand the instant hot chocolate this morning. Pony wouldn't drink it either. Well, beer is bitter because of the hops. Lane shooed Pony out of her path to the fridge with her crutch. Elves seem to have evolved an in intolerance to alkaloids. That's why they avoid coffee, tea, and nicotine, in addition to the many toxic alkaloid containing plants we stay away from as well. Well, that kills most of my favorite drinks, Tinker said. I have some herbal tea you can drink, but I think you'll have to be careful. A strong allergic reaction can be quite deadly. Lane took out a bowl of strawberries. I've also found that elves are sensitive to certain types of fats we put in commercial food products. They love natural peanut butter, but the brands with trans fat cause them trouble. Tinker named her favorite brand of peanut butter. Sorry, love. Lane sat the strawberries in front of Tinker. Luckily, I make my own whipped cream, or that would be out too. Depending on the brand of instant you're using, it might be why you couldn't stand the hot chocolate. Tinker considered her well-stocked kitchen at her loft. I don't have any food I can eat, then. You'll have to rely on Tulu more for fresh foods, then. Lane fetched the whipped cream. Vegetables, meat, eggs, butter, and even the bread she bakes is most likely safer. Can I get you anything, oil can? Coffee? Tea? I'll take coffee. Oil can settled near to Tinker, fidgeting. How long will the tests take? Lane shot a glance toward Pony standing guard by the door. It's against the treaty to do gene scans of elves. I'm not an elf, Tinker growled and dunked one of the strawberries. I know, Lane murmured, but we can't let your guard know what we're doing. Tinker controlled the urge to glance toward Pony. Ah, yes, she nibbled at the strawberry, considering. Well, he seems to do what I tell him to do. Oil can also studiously avoided looking at Pony. If we station him at the front door, then we can be in the lab unwatched. So Tinker finished her strawberries, moved Pony to the foyer, and went back to the lab to have her blood drawn. When we're done, I'm going to destroy the samples and the results. Lane tied a tourniquet around Tinker's arm and swabbed down a patch of skin inside her elbow with alcohol. It's a whole little Pandora's box we're peeking into, You will not tell anyone, not humans or elves, about this. We won't, Tinker promised. Oil can echoed it and then added, it's just for us to know. Lane not only took a blood sample from Tinker, but also swabbed the inside of Tinker's mouth, plucked out a hair, and then asked for a stool sample. What? Tinker cried. Why? Please, Tinker, don't be squeamish. Lane motioned Oilcan to sit in the chair Tinker just vacated. The cells of the intestinal lining are excreted with the stool, and are a source of DNA. I want to see how invasive this change is. Lane was just untying the tourniquet on Oilcan's arm when the doorbell rang. Oh, who can that be? Lane grumbled. She put the vials containing the blood out of sight and stuck a bandage on Oilcan's arm. Pull your sleeve down, Tink. The woman on the front porch looked familiar. She brightened at the sight of Tinker and said to Oil Can, Wow, you found your cousin. Yeah. Oil Can actually looked sheepish under Tinker's puzzled stare. You remember Ryan? She's one of the astronomers? Oh, yes. The one she'd tried to warn off the night of the cookout. I came over to see if there was any news. Ryan waved toward the observatory. I'm just getting done for the night and I thought I'd check in before hitting... She stopped and cocked her head. You weren't always an elf, were you? I've got work to do, Lane announced into the sudden silence. No, no, she... she... Oil can looked to Tinker for help. Don't look at me, Tinker snapped, then picked up on Lane's cue. I want to go to Toulouse to stock up on some food I can actually eat. Do you want anything, Lane? Actually, yes. See what she has in the way of fish. A dozen eggs. Lane listed her needs as she crutched to the kitchen and returned with her shopping basket and a glass milk bottle that she held out to Tinker. A pint of whipping cream. And some fresh bread would be nice. Tinker took the empty return and wicker basket. I'll be back in... two hours? Lane nodded. That would be good. That left Ryan to be kept out from under Lane's feet. Oil can blushed slightly at his assignment but indicated the dorms with a jerk of his head. Let me walk you back to the dorms, Ryan, and I'll explain. So they split up, each to their own task.
3: That was another installment in Win Spencer's Tinker, and that's it for the podcast. Thanks as always to audible.com and podcast theme composer, Ruth Judkiewicz. And good night, Tony Daniel, wherever you are. This is David F. Shirod coming to you from a soundproof bunker somewhere deep in the heart of Texas. Join us here next week in the hammering heart of science fiction and fantasy and keep reaching for the stars.